0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello, 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 hello. I'm Bill Allred, and welcome to another edition of the Let's Go Eat Show. Ah, well, let's see now. I'm recording this uh, intro for the Let's Go Eat Show uh, actually several weeks after I recorded the interview. Uh, Back in February, I had the opportunity to sit down with the... uh, um, chief cook and bottle washer of uh, Envision Utah. Well, he doesn't really cook for Envision Utah, and he doesn't really wash bottles for them either. He's the CEO. He runs the uh, organization known as Envision Utah. So what is Envision Utah? Well, you'll find out when you listen to the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, but uh, right now, Envision Utah is doing something uh, kind of interesting, kind of special. Uh, they need 50,000 people uh, to help shape the future of our state. Um, It's called, well, it's, let's see, what is it called? It's called the, um, I'm on their website right now, uh, EnvisionUtah.org, and uh, I would suggest that you, you go there and become a part of this project. Uh, You can reserve your space, your spot, to be one of these 50,000 people that they want to survey. It'll just take a few seconds now. You reserve your spot in the survey, and then uh, they'll send you a link to the online survey when it goes live this spring. It's called the Your Utah, Your Future Project. You'll be helping make history and participate in shaping the future of Utah. Um... Envision Utah has been looking at these issues for uh, an awful long time. Uh, They've been looking at clean air uh, for Utah. They've been looking at um, uh, how we're going to meet water issues, how we're going to meet travel issues here in Utah. And they deal with these things and try to make sense of them. And then they recommend policy to the Utah State Legislature. We talk about uh, we, meaning Robert Groh and I, we talk about all of that kind of stuff coming up in this interview. Uh, we recorded this interview, as I said, back in February. I think it was somewhere like on the 17th. We sat in uh, the 50 West uh, Cafe at 50 West Broadway. Had some french fries while we were talking. French fries. Yeah. Well, now I had the regular french fries. Uh, Bob was trying to be healthy. He had the sweet potato fries. Delicious french fries at the 50 West Cafe. So I guess that's about it for the intro. Again, just remember, though, go to the EnvisionUtah.org website. Become one of those 50,000 people. I think you'll see why it's an interesting project as we do this uh, interview here on the Let's Go Eat show. I want to thank Corey O'Brien for helping to produce the show. Um, uh, Thanks to um, uh, my son Dylan for also helping back in New York. And, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, let's, let's go. The Let's Go Eat Show. Now. Go. Now. Take it away. And we're going with, uh, Robert Groh, who was the, uh, uh, the CEO, the chief cook and bottle washer, The uh, you, you do everything. You're, you're the head man at Envision Utah.
3: Right. I, I uh, the direct the staff. So I'm the CEO. I actually have a great staff who do most of the work for which I sometimes get credit or blame.
1: Uh, what, now, uh, Envision Utah, I think uh, uh, some people have heard Envision Utah. They've heard that name, and they think, well, what is that? Uh, some people know what it is, and then there are a lot of people just – totally in the dark as to what Envision Utah is.
3: Can I call you Bob? Sure, that's great. Uh, Great.
1: So what is Envision Utah, Bob?
3: Envision Utah was actually originally a project of a group called the Coalition for Utah's Future, which was formed in the 1980s and 90s to look at long-term issues facing the state of Utah. And so Envision Utah was an effort to look at a 10-county area, the Wasatch Front and Back, and say by 2020, if we add a million people to the 1.7 million people what will it be like? So it's a it's a partnership of business leaders, nonprofit associations, government officials, mayors, and so on, who are interested in thinking about the issues over the long term, not just reacting short term.
1: Who give, give me an idea? You were there in the very beginning, the the, the foundations of it. Who were you with, sitting around a table, just 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 kind of. Shooting the bowl and saying, we, we ought to do this and why.
3: Yeah, and I, I joined the coalition board in 1994, and they had a subcommittee looking at growth issues. And people involved were uh, professors and, you know, leading thinkers. Uh, Spence Eccles uh, of the Eccles family was, was involved as we decided we needed to create a new board or partnership to look at these growth issues. Governor uh, Levitt became an honorary co-chair. Larry Miller from the Jazz became the honorary co-chair from the private sector. But we were surrounded by 100 leading people. Didi Cordini then in Salt Lake mm-hmm. working on the expansion of the city to the west. I mean, there were a lot of people who cared about utah it was, the, it was their home they loved it and they wanted to make sure as we added that million people by 2020 we did it well
1: yeah well have we have we added that million people already we're on track
3: uh, to add that million people so we're about two-thirds of the way through getting to 2020 from where we started and it's clear now we will add the million people by 2020 and in lots of areas we've done very well and others we have a lot more to do
1: um So 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 you're sitting around with these people and you say, well, we really need a a group that will look at these issues and continue to look at them and study them and plan for the future. Uh, Who came up with the name Envision Utah, do
3: you know? Uh, We actually launched the effort six months before we came up with the name. So at the beginning, we were called a public-private partnership for quality growth.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a little clunky. Yeah,
3: it was a little <laughs> clunky, but we, we, we were re- really struggling with our name. Uh, so Envision Utah implied the whole state, and we were looking at the 10-county Wasatch Front and Back. But since then, we've done work in uh, Washington County, Vision Dixie, Vision Morgan County. We've done a vision with uh, Southern County in Idaho and Rich County, the Bear Lake area. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot of work off the Wasatch Front now. So we've really grown into our name over the last And, and uh, years.
1: Who did, did one person come up with the name and go, I know, Envision Utah or-
3: well, no. There was a, it was a group effort, and I was pulling for a verb. It had to be an action. So uh-huh. there was vision, Utah. There was vision, all sorts of things. But I, eventually, those of us who wanted this to be about doing something real got the verb in vision.
1: It's, it's really interesting how these things get hammered out, isn't it? It's, just, it's fascinating
3: yeah. over the well, years. Well, from the beginning, this has been a collaborative effort, so... There, there are i don 't ever remember a vote being taken at Division Utah. Uh, we have a board of over one hundred people. We have an executive committee of about twenty four um, it 's about working together till people feel reasonably comfortable with where we 're going with outcomes and so it's, it, our, our, we really do three things: we bring people together who share a common issue or challenge or problem. Mm -hmm. We then study the values of them and Utahns to understand what Utahns really want in their future. And the third thing is we say, okay, if we make these decisions today, where could we end up in 20 years? Or if we make these decisions, where would we end up? That's called scenario planning. It's about predicting or projecting virtual futures with the best models. And so we have the simple process of stakeholders, values, and scenarios, and then The most unique thing about Envision Utah was it wasn't designed to make decisions. It was designed to ask the public to look at the choices and to let them make the decisions about the future.
1: Uh, as you, uh, where, where does the, where does most of this is not a government agency, no. is it a quasi government agency? No. no, is there any public funding here?
3: Uh, there, there have. Been, whenever we do a project in an area, oftentimes a city or a county or a group of cities will say, "Will you come help us?" And they'll have some, some money involved in the mm-hmm. process as we help them design the process. But usually, our funding is probably three quarters, four fifths, private funding. It comes from foundations, private businesses. So. The Your Utah, Your Future program we're involved in now is about a $4.5 million program over three years, and about a million of that will come from the legislature. Half a million last year, we think another half million this year. But Utah County's chipping in money, Sandy City's chipping in money, Ogden's chipping in money, so it, it comes from a, a broad source of government's local. Uh, state do you, do as well. you have
1: to fundraise? Is there, is there some aspect of what you do that you have to actually go out and, and yeah. rustle up we, funds? We, we,
3: we live on the kindness of our strangers and friends. Yeah. Uh, so, we, yes, I fundraise. And, and a lot of what we do is, Thank is you. we look for issues that are relevant to the future of the state, where mm-hmm. people are interested enough that, that you can actually design a well-run project around it. Because it takes a lot of time and effort to bring people together, get all their ideas on the table divide them up into scenarios, really go through comprehensive scenarios planning or fact-based projections of the future. And that's, that's a, 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 a very important process, but also it's not cheap.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we're sitting here, by the way, uh, we're talking to Robert Groh, the uh, uh, CEO, president, CEO of Envision Utah. We're going to have some French fries here as well. We're uh, uh, in the uh, cafe here at uh, 50 West Broadway. This is uh, where... Um, where I work, well, I don't work in the cafe. I work at X ninety six. Bill is
3: having the regular s- potatoes, right, and regular. I'm having the sweet potato French fries. So I'm being healthy today. All right.
1: Now, are they spo- they're supposed to be a little healthier than the regular French fries? I guess
3: only only in my mind.
1: That's mm-hmm. true. I don't think I've had the French fries here. Well, they're very good.
3: They're good. So,
1: and please feel free to eat and talk. It. Right. Great, thank you. you, you. Know, as you can as you can hear, the way I'm doing it. I don't mind talking with my mouthful, and you should not either. I'm a professional broadcaster. I know how to do it. Um, so we're talking about Envision Utah. Um, and how do you decide? Uh, well, you know, I looked at the, at the website, and, and it says, you know, issues. What issues do you cover? And I just jotted them down. Agriculture, air quality. Disaster
3: resilience. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's not surviving the first seventy-two hours. That's how long does it take to get back to normal?
1: Yeah. Uh, education, energy, housing, and the cost of living, jobs, and the economy, public lands, uh, recreation, transportation, a commu- a community, communication, and water. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of that's a that and that seems to be almost all. Like, that's that covers it pretty much.
3: N- not quite everything. There's one topic that's not there, and it's healthcare uh, for various reasons. But when we started this process, the Your Utah Your Future process about a, designing the process a couple of years ago, we asked Utahns in a survey what they cared about most. What were the issues that mattered? And these were the cluster of issues that on a seven-point scale rank 5.5 and above, and that were interconnected enough that you'd want to look at all of them simultaneously. So if you're a legislator, you get to react to the bills that are delivered in front of you by various constituents. So those who are in favor of water projects have their bills, and those in favor of transportation have their bills. But we rarely look across this full range of topics, look at the synergies of how we can do things better, and look out to the long term to make sure... Our trajectory is really where we want to end up on those uh,
1: as you uh, as you do these things as you look into these various issues uh, how do you or do you try to avoid controversy no I, I mean it's it, it, I mean it would be almost impossible to avoid controversy I guess you're going no, in fact you're uh, going to step on some people's toes
3: our, our our approach to the the issue is actually to, to in, invite controversy, what we do is we'll we'll find those groups and, of stakeholders who care about the issue or knowledge about the issue, bring special uh, ability to help analyze the issues. We'll bring them together and then we'll start with brainstorming. And oftentimes they'll, they'll appear to be diametrically opposed to each other in their views. Yeah. And so our goal is to actually help facilitate those really smart people into understanding one another's perspectives as we design scenarios and model. So, so I just came from an air quality task force meeting. It's called the Clean Air Action Team. And we've made recommendations to the governor and the legislature the last two years as they have looked at our interesting problems with, and challenges. Uh, and that group is everything from the moms and, and the docs on one end all the way to the Chamber of Commerce the business leaders on the other end uh, who all care about air quality and about our future here, but may have different perspectives. And so over time, they've come together and made almost consistent uh, – come to consistent agreement on what we ought to recommend to the governor and the legislature. But that's – it's not a slow process, but we invite people to speak their minds, demonstrate the value of their points of view, and help us model those. Uh,
1: I, I want to talk a lot about air quality in just a couple of minutes, but I, it just occurred to me that maybe we could um, – uh, get a clear picture of how uh, Envision Utah works. If we took an issue like transportation, and uh, you've been in you've been in the business of studying these things long enough right. that uh, you must have had some great you must have had some impact on um, how the uh, uh, public transportation system and particularly tracks right. was put together. Yeah. You, you must have looked at that, and then uh, tracks the track system came into being, but UTA put all put these uh, uh, rail cars in and right. and all of that. What give me an idea of what went on leading up to tracks, and that'll give me an idea of how you guys right.
3: operate so in, in nineteen ninety seven in January, with Governor Levitt on one side of me and Larry Miller on the other, we launched Envision Utah, and one of the big questions we were looking at at that point was. If we add a million people to this 10-county area, how congested will it get? Do we build a multimodal or multi-choice transportation system for people and so on? And so as we worked with those people over about a nine-month period, it was clear that some people wanted to just build roads. Some people wanted to build a lot of rail. Some people were in the middle. And so we did four scenarios that showed the, the growth patterns we could have with and without transit, or with just a little or a lot. And then we modeled what happens to the average citizens, time sitting in traffic, their delay hours per year, vehicle miles traveled, and so on. And we took those to the public in the largest outreach in Utah history. About 20,000 people participated. And the public then said... We want this system. And eight, uh, when we were finished with those scenarios, we polled the public. Eighty-four percent of them said, build the track system as fast as we can humanly do it. Now, before that, mm-hmm. uh, UTA had had a vote on expanding the track, building the first tracks line, and it had gone down in flames. I remember that. Uh, and in the mid-'90s. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and Envision Utah came along in 97. But after the public actually got a chance to see, what will my life be like? How yeah. will it affect me personally? Uh, they said, wow, this, this this really will make a difference to our future. And mm-hmm. so UTA, the people from out of state, have come here constantly now for years to see how in this, what is perceived to be a very conservative place, yeah. how have we built rail faster than anywhere else in America over the last 15 years? We've built 140 miles in 14 years, uh, which uh, is better than anywhere in America just because the public said, we really want this. And then when it came to a vote on it, mm-hmm. they voted twice to actually tax themselves to build mm-hmm. the system.
1: Well, and luckily the Olympics had, came along at the same time. Right, which, right. Which kind of – that was just sort of serendipitous, wasn't it? It just sort of
3: it, it, facilitated it, the it, process. It was, it. although we were well into it before the Olympics Olympics came. What, what the Olympics did was actually bring some stakeholders out of the woodwork you might not have expected. Uh, they didn't have the money to do the EIS on the 4th South Transit Line. And we were the deadline where if we wanted to build that line before the Olympics to the Olympic Village, we had to get going. And one morning you woke up and the LDS Church announced that it was going to fund the EIS for a transit line. Oh, there you go. Through the middle of Salt Lake. EIS, that. Environmental Impact. Right, and so all of a sudden you had a major stake, a stakeholder step forward and said, uh, maybe this transit's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And then when the li- lines came on, well, about twenty-five to thirty percent of all LDS Church employees in that big building downtown arrive on transit now. Yep. The University of Utah—it's almost thirty percent of the students—and yeah. the U's reclaiming parking lots and building new buildings as opposed to more parking for students. You
1: love what you do, don't you? I do. <laughs> I can tell just by the look on your face. You just—just uh, just uh, one other quick question about that. Of those four scenarios that you said you proposed, right? Um, w- 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 uh, was the m- most aggressive one adopted? Uh, no.
3: No. No. Uh, because you always are pre- you should be prepared to be surprised by scenarios. So the, the most aggressive one, which built the most density uh, in the valley uh-huh. and put people closer together, also put the cars closer together. And so did you measure pollution in micrograms per cubic meter? The more densely you pack people, you actually started to make the air quality worse.
1: Okay. okay. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: So mm-hmm. that was a shocker. That scenario D, which uh, s- some people thought would be the best performing one, wasn't there. Is sort of uh, almost in every balancing between choices, there's a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And until you model it, until you really you know figure out, it's hard to predict where that sweet spot is. And so the sweet spot was, yes, we need more walkable communities. Yes, we need a wider variety of housing types. But no, if you pack them all in downtown, that may not be the best solution. And so people chose, we call them affectionately scenario A, B, C, and D. They chose C, which had walkable neighborhoods, expansion of tracks, and so on. Uh, and But it tilted a little bit more towards D, which was the most dense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was it, it shocked a lot of people that when the Utah and we did a statistical survey as well, but the Utah public was very much in favor of building transit. And that has been borne out now by fifteen years of of aggressive transit building. And we actually have built now the 2030 transit plan by 2015. We've actually yeah. built all those lines. And so it's a that's a good example. The other so Envision Utah's first vision affected transit. It affected the renovation of downtown Salt Lake. It set the stage for City Creek Center. And all of the things, the $5 billion or so being spent in downtown Salt Lake, a lot of cities and towns who were stuck on quarter-acre, half-acre lots now allow multifamily housing, townhouses. So it's it's let the market work. So some local government regulations that were blocking people living wherever they wanted to live yeah. changed. So Zoning. Zoning changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now... If you look at the lot size in Salt Lake County, it's back down to the lot size that it was in 1900. So we saw lot sizes in these valleys climb until about 1985, 1990, and then start falling off. And they can only fall off if the zoning allows them to get smaller. And it's being driven by cost and market forces, not by regulation.
1: Got it. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about air quality uh, because that... well. Maybe we ought to get into the values study because that that really addresses air quality as well. It does. Uh, Envision Utah recently conducted this values study. This is a huge thing. Now, I just glanced at it. Right. Right. Um, there, I have to tell you, there are some charts there that your associate, Mike Grass, sent me. Right. There are some charts there that have all these lines going back and forth <laughs> through these Venn diagrams right. that, that I, I looked called, at. That's
3: called a mind map.
1: Is that what those it's are called? It's a mind map for so, Utah. Now, uh, they're fascinating, and I thought I, I really should I, – I need to stare at those for a lot longer than I did because they're, they're dense. They're very dense. But uh, there, there a lot of work went into this value study. So why don't you just lay the groundwork, talk about how that was done, and, okay. and what's come up, what you've come up with?
3: Well, value studies are about understanding how people make decisions, um, and the real the, the tool that that is used in these value studies was first developed by. A man named Dick Worthlin who was Ronald Reagan's communications advisor and helped him get elected. If you look back at politicians over the last many years, mm-hmm. the two great communicators, Bill Clinton mm-hmm. and uh, President Reagan, yeah. uh, Interesting uh, they, that they both yeah. used this technique. Yeah. And This is what the technique is. You first determine what people care about. So if you say, here's a list of things. Will you pick the three things in the region you like most about living here in Utah? And you might pick, I love the mountains and the beauty of the scenery, you might yeah. pick. I
1: like I, I like the basic uh, honesty of the people.
3: Okay, you like the people live mm-hmm, here yeah. and so on. And so those are attributes mm-hmm. of living in Utah. Yeah. And I'd say, okay, I want you to pick three you don't like. Three things I don't like. Don't like okay. about Utah. Uh, I don't
1: like the air quality sometimes. Right. Uh, you know, I, um, I don't like the provincial na- I like the basic honesty of the people. Maybe I don't like their provincial thinking sometimes
3: um i love you know, this i love this because whenever i fly somewhere in america to speak to a region i actually value louder the person sitting next to me on the plane without yeah. them knowing i'm doing it so mm-hmm. so we just determine some things you like and don't like about utah the next question would be pick the one you don't like the most yeah okay? air. Air air. yeah and i'd say why not how, do, how What? what does bad air do to you in your daily life well, you get up tomorrow, and there's a big inversion. What does it do? How do, what does it affect? You?
1: Uh, it, uh, it, it, what I notice it affecting me uh, first is it makes me feel uh, down. It 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 it, dep- it depresses me. It it's makes my mood. mood bad. Yeah. But I, I know that it. Bec- but because then it's a, I also know that it's affecting my health and the the health of my children.
3: Right. And so it affects your health. It affects your mood. If you're a jogger, you feel trapped in your house, I can't go out and run. And we know all those messages Mm -hmm. because we've done a value study on air quality. So value study tells me what people care about. They tell me how it operates day to day in their lives. And then it also tells me why they care about it. So how do you feel knowing that you may live in a place where your children are not as healthy because of the air quality? How does that make you feel as a parent?
1: Uh, It makes you feel kind of a little guilty,
3: Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People feel sad. They mm-hmm. feel guilty yeah. and so on. So now I'm into emotions. Yeah. Okay. And, and the ultimate value then is something like parental love. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I go up that chain. On the fact that it affects your mood, you know, how yeah. do you feel? You may feel grumpy. Yeah. Okay. You can't fix it. You may feel angry, which
1: affects my parental love. Because if I'm grumpy, I'm yelling at my kids. (laughs) The kids that I that I say I love. (laughs) So,
3: so so this is the difference between a poll and a value study. A poll says, "What things do you care about most?" This says, "What do you care about most? Why why do you care about it? How does it affect you? Mm -hmm. How do you feel? And what value? What ultimate value in your decision making?" Uh, capacity does it affect so we have been doing these studies in utah for 20 years first one was done in 97 and so we can compare the change in utah's views and values then you go out statistically after i would talk to maybe 100 people and do what i just did Uh and i do a map that shows everybody's values on this map all the connections going up from attributes all the way to ultimate values And then we do a statistical study to see which ladders are the dominant ones in Utah. So I can tell you the three dominant positive things ladders in Utah and the two dominant negative ladders in Utah. And then I know what people care about, what they want in the long term. So as we think about our future, we can actually pick out the things that matter most and work on the trajectory to fix those or to preserve those things they care about.
1: And uh, the value study that you did in uh, 2014. Right. Took a year to do it.
3: Uh, it in 2014, it takes about six months. It takes about six months. Six months. It was finished in August.
1: You asked how? You talked to how many people?
3: Uh, about a thousand. The, the statistical third survey was a thousand, but we actually did computer interviews with hundreds of people to do the original map, mm-hmm. the values map or mind map, and right. then then the statistical survey helps us decide which ladders matter most. And
1: um, y- y- so you do this, uh, and then you come up with the, re- the results. And-, and what did you find?
3: The, the most important thing to Utahans hasn't changed in 20 years. Really? The most important thing to Utah is I like the people live here. They're honest, ethical, and moral. That means things like they'll call the police if there's somebody climbing in my window. Yeah. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just honest, ethical, and moral. Um, so I like living here. That makes for a good, safe place to raise a family and kids or I can enjoy my friends. It's about the quality of how our lives are as determined by the people we live with and the kinds of places we live. That's number one. It always has been safe, secure neighborhoods. But the, but the people is the fundamental characteristic yeah. of that. Number two, they care about jobs and economy. And that means can I get a good job? Can I raise my family? Can I feel good as a parent? Will my children be able to get a job and stay here if they want to, or am I going to grow old alone? Uh, mm-hmm. Well, other people in the community get a good job, so the values of the people are sustained. So it's not just about me and my family in economics and jobs. It's about me, my family, and the community. And that's also true with education. Utah. We have very strong secondary value ladders supporting the education of everybody and everybody getting a good job. If you ask the average Utahan, do you want your pay to be more or do you want everybody to have a job? Surprisingly, most of them will say they really? want everybody to have a job first before the wages go up, hmm. which is a really interesting yeah. It's different than lots of places. If you go to New York, the number one value is self-esteem. What's, yeah. what's in it for me? I want my yeah. In Utah, what's in it for us? Yeah. You know, how do we make it better for us? The third positive ladder is about the wonderful beauty, recreational opportunities of Utah. We just love this place. Negatives? Number one negative living in Utah is air quality. Was it that twenty years ago too? No. I, no. Yeah, because it wasn't this is a this is a value ladder which I think has has Rapidly increased uh, in concern uh, because we're better educated about it. We care more. There's new federal standards we have to comply with. The air is about—we're putting about half as many pollutants in this airshed as we did 15 years ago. Hmm. Okay, we met the PM10 standard after we were way out of compliance. We met the TSP standard before that, mm-hmm. and so on a particular we're now down to PM two point five, and we got to get better. Air
1: quality is actually a little better.
3: Yeah, and I have a pit. I've just sorted my dad's slides mm-hmm. from when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I've got a picture looking at his window. He was a college professor on the east bench, looking down at the valley when I was about ten years old, and it looked gunkier than it does today. Really, I was just I, I, you were I pulled this one out just mm-hmm. to show people. Uh yeah, it used to be we had coal in these valleys. The day after the snowstorm, the coal was getting black from the coal dust. And so over generations, over many years, the Clean Air Act has made things much cleaner since the 1970s, but we know more about health, we know and the standards have been reestablished and we all have to do a lot more, but it's a it's the leading negative by a 2 to 1 margin and then I'll I'll tell you the other negative. Yeah.
2: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. avoid we prohibited
3: by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. More negatives. The okay. second one is lack of diversity. You mentioned your provincial provincial Yeah, and that's that's essentially so what you, I'm i I like the people here, but I wish yeah. there were a little more diversity and the yeah. attitudes. Provin- yeah, less okay. less that's, that's number two. Yeah. Uh, the number three... Uh, Negative is actually one that's very strong in rural Utah, and it's an overbearing federal government. And it's it's a political philosophy, but more than that, it's about my family had to move away and leave me growing old alone because there were no jobs here. And so it's very much a family values issue in rural Utah. So
1: that's that's rural Utah. It's
3: more dominant rural Utah, but it's also. It's like eight percent up and down the Wasatch Front. It's about thirteen percent in rural Utah.
1: Yeah, and I was I was going to ask you as you as you do these value studies, do a value study like that. Uh, you must look at uh, different income levels. You do, and uh, rural versus urban. Yeah, we did. Uh, we
3: did a large sampling. We would We have rural semi rural which means urbanizing yeah and then urban areas
1: yeah and what there I, I saw an interesting study as a matter of fact I wrote it down and you guys didn't do it but it was a, a University of Utah study it was they talked about it in the paper uh, poverty rates in Salt Lake County uh, and they were talking about East side and west east and west of the freeway did you right. see that and I did yeah I thought that was fascinating too but so do you, you you must you must do that kind of uh, uh, values, look at that yeah, um, uh, minority the, community, how they respond.
3: In the last couple of years, the the University of Utah has done work. Jim Wood at the University of Utah yeah, has done extraordinary work on...
1: Yeah, I wrote his name on, down, James, on,
3: James Wood. On, on where people live in Utah, why they live there, and the mm-hmm. concentrations of poverty. We also have the most complex databases of what what, where, what the land is being used for in, in Utah. In words, we have databases that show essentially every parcel, when the buildings were built, what kind of building is on, and so on. Because we model the region. So we model where we are today. We say, if we had 2.5 million people by 2050, what would it look like? And we can model the tax appraisal value of every home in these valleys with different colors going from the east bench to the west side. And so there's no question that we are somewhat, by generally natural market forces, segregated by income. And... Every Utahan has to to ask themselves, is that a good outcome? In the long run, is that a healthy outcome, or would we be better off if we had um, some moderate-income housing, some lower-income housing, some townhouses, some apartments? All mixed. All mixed in. Yeah. Would that be a better thing for the future of Utah than having it... Um, you know this, this concentration of poverty.
1: It's kind of an that's kind of an artificial thing. You do that artificially. It's, right. it's I mean, it has always been thus that, uh, you know, the wealthier people live up on the hill, and the and the the poorer people live down at the bottom of the hill. That's, it and and, and uh, so it's it's kind of an artificial, uh, which is not to say that's a bad thing to do, uh, but. But, but, you know, you're, you're, you're engineering a society when you say, well, let's mix it all up and put right. it together.
3: Well, you can be engineering it or you can just say let government regulations decline that restrict that and let's see what people do mm-hmm. and leave it just a free choice yeah. and free markets. And so our zoning ordinances can inhibit where people can live. And uh, it's been one of the things litigated by the United States for the United States Supreme Court since the Mount Laurel case in the seventies. In fact, that may have been in the sixties where they where they talked about the suburban areas restricting people from moving there in New Jersey. So,
1: oh, and that and redlining, uh, redlining, redlining with lo- right? loans and things like that. Banks redlining
3: people, and yeah, yeah. And so, so a lot has been done. Utah, by the way, Utah has some very aggressive programs to help people, and we shouldn't – sometimes Utah gets a bad rap on that front. We we had, we had brought Manuel Pastor here, who's head of the Center on Equity and Justice at USC in California. Brilliant, brilliant thinker, studies regions all over the country, and he said we're one of just a few regions in America where, if you look back over the last 20 years, our rising economy has brought – Jobs for all three layers—low, middle, and higher-income people—and and and new and higher wages across all those. And the only other places in the country that have seen that are where they had large government concentrations. And so he came here with a team of people last spring to interview and figure out what it was about Utah that actually was lifting that. And there are a lot of this housing first program in Utah. Uh, is 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 we're about seventy percent of the homeless off the streets and giving them housing now. Uh, so there's a lot of good things going on, but this long-term issue about neighborhoods, what's the structure of neighborhoods, who can live there, is still a concern.
1: Uh, let me ask you something about the value study. In, in terms of, uh, you mentioned it in passing that uh, uh, the negative was the federal government, the overreach of the federal government. Yeah. Uh, and did i understand you to say did i understand you correctly to say that's mainly the rural in the rural areas
3: it's much it's much stronger in rural areas but it's also other across utah but it's it's down the line mm-hmm. in terms of negative things but it's important to the rural people because if you look at rural utah and it's one of the things we're doing this time your utah your future covers the rural areas of the state as well the first uh, major forays we did in understanding people was to go out to all of the associations of government in rural Utah and spend time with them and do these computer interviews. So, you know, there are only three industry clusters in rural Utah that can provide jobs, agriculture, mining metals, uh, and energy. Tourism. To count as one, of tourism. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And so all of those, their there implications on the management of federal lands for all three of those clusters. And so, you know, we, we've we had this ongoing. So, so, and this is one of the things we're going to ask Utahns in the survey we're going to do, is how what do you want to do with these public land issues? Uh, is there enough for everybody to have their peace, or are we going to leave this a war zone for the next <laughs> uh, set of decades? And it'll be interesting to see how they respond. People people don't know facts, and a lot of what we do is deliver facts. So if you look at energy energy development in Utah, it's on about – 10% of the state maximum. If you take all the land that's leased for oil and gas, it's on roughly 10%. Okay? If you take, uh, you know, we have a lot more parks and recreation areas than that, and it's a very concentrated area. It's, it's over in the U.N. and area and a little mm-hmm. bit in south eastern Utah. That's a piece of a puzzle. Well, is there enough room for energy development in the state? Is there enough room for protecting the environment and the watersheds? We graze about 18 million acres in Utah. And there are new techniques for grazing which actually help restore the riparian habitat. You rotate the, the animals through fields as opposed to leaving in one place, mm-hmm. chewing down the same riparian mm-hmm. habitat. And so there, there's a lot, there's a, there are a lot of interesting questions about public lands. So our goal is to, in April and May, bring facts to Utahns about each one of these things with projections to 2050 and say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to end up? In this debate,
1: well, now, so what is it that you want? That you want from people? Uh, you want people as many people. What are, you're targeting? At least fifty thousand people that I see. You would at least like fifty thousand, but you'd like to have more. You'd like to have every single I'd, I would person. I'd love to have
3: everybody do it. The largest uh, turnout for something like this uh, in America in his in history is thirty thousand people in San Diego a couple years ago. That's an area of three million people. So about the size of Utah. So we'd like to, A, smash that record, Mm -hmm. (laughs) B, really let Utah speak with a very loud, clear voice about what they want on these issues so that decision makers can say, well, are we aggressive enough? Are we attacking the problems well enough? A lot of great things are going on in Utah, but should we adjust course on some of these? Mm -hmm. Uh, So Utah, I think legislators, governors, everybody, they're used to listening to polls. I think it's almost like those sort of roll off water, like water from a duck. But 50,000 Utahns respond and say, we'd like to go this direction. That will make change. And that's what we're after is is so that it's not just a survey. It's here's real, well-vetted facts and information about how we're growing and how it will affect this issue now what 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 do you want to decide where would you go if you had these four choices on water or you had these four choices on air quality or you had these four choices on public lands? all right
1: let's let's talk just nuts and bolts then Okay. Um, the name of the study is what
3: it's your Utah
1: your future your Utah your future has it have you started soliciting response yes, yes.
3: Uh, okay. the, the survey the final survey will go live early in April. It'll be up for about two months, and so you can go once or twice or three times. I mean, there's, you'll be able to go to as in-depth into the issues as you want to go. So we'll go live at the beginning of April, and right now you can sign up to me, go online to envisionutah.org, and you can reserve your spot to be one of the 50,000. Leave us your email address, and we will then make sure you get the survey and the opportunity to participate. Your voice is heard. Uh, so that's the most important thing people can do right now. There, there's also a set of informational games online, like on air quality, interactive computer modules that are educational on each of those 11 topics. But they're not the final survey. They were put up to help us develop the final scenarios and surveys. Okay. So envisionutah.org. So uh, go reserve your spot to be one of the 50,000.
1: All right. So you do that. You, you reserve your spot. And uh, that ensures that you're going to get the complete, get to participate in the complete survey. Right. Um, what will that entail? Will that, now, now so what, what about people, I, there are some who don't have computers and Internet access. Right. And how, is there a way they can participate?
3: Um, we haven't specifically designed that we are translating the whole survey into Spanish. So that'll it'll be in Spanish as well. mm mm-hmm. um, we're looking at outreach techniques. We're looking at reaching out through the PTA and other ways to get word out across the state. We have about ninety organizations that are partners in this who will be getting the word out through their networks. Mm-hmm. Everything from IHC, the power company, the gas company, so so uh, local uh, government sending
1: out in the in the gas uh, bill, right. they'll send out a notice that says please participate. Right, uh, IHC will encourage all, and that's all, all their employees. They that's got thirty. Well, that panel that I uh, moderated, I learned yeah. that IHC is the second largest employer in the state of Utah. Right, now, and,
3: the, and the state's going to the state is also doing it through their employees. So we're going to try and get the word out in as many ways as possible. It's interesting though that Utah has the highest internet yeah. penetration of any state in America. Yeah. People people from back east think we're backwards. You know, you <laughs> have to actually corner them for a while and tell them the truth yeah. before they they get it.
1: So uh, you reserve, and I and I uh, will, of course, the word will go out on this uh, podcast, but, uh, you know, I also have a radio show that I'm more than uh, happy to mention that on uh, a lot until it, it happens, you know. Yeah. Um, so you reserve your spot, and then you get to be on the survey. Right. What, what kind of a commitment is that going to be?
3: Uh, it'll probably take eight to ten minutes to answer the first part. And the first part will say, here are five big choices about what Utah could be like in 2050. Study these and tell us what you would like. Which one of these do you like and why? Which elements of it? And they'll have elements from air quality, water, economic development, uh, all of those topics built into these surveys in packages that sort of fit together. So,
1: and it'll just be a matter of answering questions.
3: It'll be a matter of reading, studying, and answering questions. Yeah. So w- w- this is not a poll which is an, uh, looking for uninformed opinion. This is about here's the work of 400 experts and community leaders looking at these 11 topics. This is These are the choices they see. Not the answers, but the choices. Now, what do you want to do? Now, once somebody answers that opening volley in the survey about scenarios, they can dig into air quality. And there'll be four scenarios specifically about what air quality would be like in 2050 in a lot of detail with real modeling and so on. Mm-hmm. There'll be water. I mean, do you take the water from the... times will be asked, do you want to take the water we need from agriculture? Do you want to brown out every blade of glass in the Salt Lake Valley? Do you want to build some new water projects? Or what combination?
1: Would you be willing to pay for water what it really costs?
3: Right. That That's one of the points and <laughs> one of the scenarios will be let's... Let's charge people what actually is going to cost to build those projects and, and get the water. Yeah. And water is perhaps, in my mind, the most difficult, challenging issue facing the state right now. Because of the weather issues, yeah. We're, we're look at this gorgeous spring. I'm looking out yeah. the window. The sun is shining. We're in February. We're in yeah. February. My the, I mean, are there flowers coming up in my front yard. Mm-hmm. You know, and I step on them to make them go back under the dirt, but they won't stay down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Please, crocuses, go back. <laughs> go, back. go back, go back. No, it's not going to.
3: So, so, but on every one of the eleven topics, and so people will pick out the ones they care about the most, and we have some feeling about that because we asked Utahns in the survey. What do you care about most? And they said, we care about water, we care about education, we care about air. They sort of stand out. And it's interesting, one of those is, if you don't educate the public, that's a sh**.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: This is your captain speaking.
1: Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Showstopper on our growth and our quality of life. Mm -hmm. But so are water and air. They're real showstoppers. We don't have clean air and we don't have enough water. And then you get into things like the urban form. How do you want to grow? What kind of transportation systems do you want? Mm -hmm. What do we do with public lands? We also asked Utahns what things that they thought we were doing the worst on. We said, okay, now you've told us which one's the most important, greatest. And they said air quality was the most negative. We were doing the worst on air quality, and education was number two. On the negative side in terms of the state's performance, that's not government, that's all of us, you know, the state's performance on, air, uh, on education. Yeah. So so we know a lot, I think, about which ones people will voluntarily choose. We'll also do a statistical survey where we ask people to go in and do certain segments so we get both great public response as well as statistically valid responses uh
1: so then are you done after this uh as a participant are you done after this 20 minutes
3: no No, one Mm -hmm. yes you can be although at each one of those topics there'll be more stuff you could drill down into honestly you could if you want to keep keep looking you could spend hours learning about all these topics and doing these things Mm -hmm. um and so our goal is to let people drill as far as they want to drill um But really what we're trying to do is say, okay, Utahns, take your decision-making process. Now look at all these facts and information. Now tell us where you'd like the state to go. What kind of communities do you want to live in? Tell us about water and air and Mm -hmm. economic growth and development and so on.
1: And how how long uh, before you think you'll have something to present
3: after all of this? Afterwards? Well, that's a big debate. We could, we will actually be able to watch the answers as they come in every day. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to taint other people's responses. I don't think during the two month period. Yeah. So we will restrain ourselves from talking very much. Uh, but it'll probably take us a month after that. Uh, we're going to be having the statistical work on this done by Cicero, which is Dan Jones' polls. Mm-hmm. Um, Qualtrics, which is a major survey firm, startup in Utah, is now about a billion-dollar company. They're they're collecting the data from the surveys. Um, a group called ThoughtLab is doing the programming of the websites for us. We'll be doing digital marketing through a company called MediaForge Rakatan, which is a Utah startup, uh, trying to hit you know you know Utah's at, at every level on their computers, mm-hmm. where they just click over. Uh, So this will be a big campaign. You're going to hear a lot more about Envision Utah and this effort, Your Utah, Your Future, to get Utahans to speak their mind. Things like this happen only once in a generation. They take tremendous energy. The last time in Utah was 97 to 99. We're doing it again, and we're doing it this time statewide across all these topics. But this is the most aggressive one ever done in America based on the number of topics and the number of people who would like to respond. And frankly having over 400 experts involved in designing the choices for the public.
1: Where how do you where do you get all those people? How do you The find 400? Them? Yeah,
3: they're uh, and- You know, they tend to they're just there. If you say okay, we're going to study air quality, you have lots of lots of people to choose from who all the groups are pretty clear. Yeah. And water is the same way. There are there are already strong advocates and people with views, there are state government agencies that already model, model water. So we we basically looked statewide, we try and get geographical diversity on those task forces, we try and get experts, we try and get stakeholders who need to be involved so they could implement the choices of the public. And so I could go through one of them and give you examples, but it's it's a very we go through essentially a stakeholder mapping process as we put those groups together and we asked frankly the governor to invite them mm-hmm. for us, said here's a letter from the governor, please join us.
1: Now so, all of this gets done, and then you, you have something that you can present to the governor, to the legislature. Do you do that in a, by the way, do you do that in a formal sense? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, uh, do you, do you, do you, I mean, do you go We will. To a,
3: uh, We will, we will roll out the vision of where Uton's want to go sometime in the fall. Yeah. Um, In time for legislators to think about it, the governor think about it as he puts together his budget for local governments to think about it. But more importantly, part of what happens in a process like this is that people say, you know, I really want a great community. Before we did the first vision, most people said, and therefore we need more roads. We just need roads. But People said that. After the scenarios, they said, well, we need roads. We need good roads, but we also need a great public transportation system. And so what, one thing that happens in the educational process of this is people actually redesign the way they think about their lives to get what they want based upon their values. And so that's why we try and understand values is these are all scenarios, they're all designed, how do you get what Utahns really want in their future? And this, this allows people to sort of reconnect the dots in maybe a different way than they have in the past mm-hmm. about what we all need to do together. Utah Utah is in a transformational period, and we have been for 40 years. We've been one of the fourth, fifth, recently third, second, or first fastest-growing states in America for a long time. We've been a real sleeper. We were not discovered by America. We were glad to hide here with our mountains and Mm -hmm. keep everybody else out. Uh, We were finally discovered in the last 15 years by high tech. Mm -hmm. We've been discovered as a fabulous place to recreate and so, you know that this growth trend is going to continue, and we are transforming, particularly in the Wasatch front and back, into a major urban region that can stand on the world stage and be a great center for economic growth and development, but also a great place for people to come. Uh, we're growing up, but we got to be ready for it. We got to be ready, and that's what this is about. Uh, Think long term. How do you get ready for that growth?
1: Have you ever? You know, you 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 come across as a very positive person, and and you're nodding and saying, "Yeah, I am yeah, a positive yeah. person." I think I think these, but you must have been disappointed in how, I mean, in how sometimes your studies have been received uh, by the actions of the legislature or hmm. or.
3: or I actually, Perhaps, I, I, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a positive person, so that's true. I am also have gradually become a slightly more patient person. If you were to ask my wife, she would tell you I'm not the most patient person on the planet. But um, I, think, I think real change now in American regions and states no longer requires you to get 50% of the voters plus one. It requires you to build a much stronger group who consent to a direction, both consensus and consent, which is about 85%. And so there's no other way than the way we're doing it that actually transforms regions. It can't be done by coalitions and making places a battleground. It has to be done by bringing diverse groups together. And so I am not patient about outcomes, but I am patient about this process because no other way has ever succeeded in making this kind of change. There's a fellow who's at the top of the Ford Foundation now, one of the top three or four executives, who wrote a book when he was an MIT professor called Democracy is Problem Solving. He highlighted 10 processes internationally which had worked to change places. Envision Utah got 27 pages in that book oh. as as a tech, technology, a way, a process of doing things. I, I was an electrical engineer with a systems background who went to law school, so... I'm, a, I'm an engineer of process You're a process guy. I'm a process guy. And I believe if you run the right process, and it's a really simple process, it's the golden rule in action, bring everybody together, respect their ideas, analyze those ideas, and then take those ideas to, to the real decision makers who are the public and let them tell their leaders where they want to go. And that process works. And I've, I've, I've been to more than 90 regions in America, helping them understand what we've done and look at what they're doing. And nothing works like this does. And so this is, like I said, once-in-a-generation opportunity for Utah's to really make big change happen in the direction they want to go.
1: You, you are an evangelist for change. Uh, and... Uh... It, it's, it's fascinating to think because I'm an, uh, an impatient person and I think you know ju- why can't you see what I see just do it
3: yeah well uh, and it's and it's. Uh, I'll tell you what I told a friend of mine a number of years ago he brought a bunch of important people together to lunch to look at a thing he wanted to suggest it was actually a great idea I was there at lunch after about 10 minutes everybody was playing on their, their phones and Looking at their email, I could tell this was going over like a lead balloon. And I could tell he was depressed. And I got back to my office and I wrote him a little email and I said, It really is one of God's gifts to be able to see the future. But it usually comes with a second gift to be patient enough while others keep up with you or get, get caught up with you. And so I think we owe each other the patience to come along until there are enough of us to make change. Now that doesn't mean... Change isn't led, because it is led, led. I mean, if you go back in our history to when we wanted to get coal burning out of our houses, no. that was led by a bunch of women's organizations and doctors and others. Just got angry. Just got angry, and they led the debate. But then the debate has to take place. and involves legislatures and cities and average citizens, and we are in one of those fun times of really transformational change in Utah we need to make sure we're transforming to where we want to go, and we're really thinking about the long term as we do it.
1: Uh, so you're optimistic about
3: I, I am The optimistic. air
1: quality, water, you're, we can do it?
3: We can do it. There's, there's no question in my mind that we can do it. We need to look at that wild card. We don't have another wild card in the other ten topics, but in water... We clearly have a huge wild card.
1: Yeah, and that's climate and we right. can't. And, we, and, we can't and do much about that. Well, maybe we can well, if
3: there's, But there are things you can do, for example, that come out of these yeah. studies. You can we should make sure that every drop that falls on the public lands and on the private lands in Utah gets captured. absorbed into the ground as fast as possible. Or capture it. Or capture it in some way. Yeah. I mean I mean we're gonna have to do things differently. Right, right now, if, 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 if rain falls on your house, on your lot, mm-hmm. your lot is designed to flush that water off into a, into a ditch, yep. then into a pipe that ends in the Great Salt Lake. Yep. The truth is, we need to redesign every lot That's in waster. Utah yep. to hold that water yep. and let it percolate into the ground. Yep. We just We just haven't gotten diligent yet. About mm-hmm. over 35 years, we could change anything. Half of what will exist in 35 years doesn't exist yet, and half of what's here is going to change. We it's a pretty clean canvas when you think about it that yep. way, and so, yes, I'm optimistic even about water, but only if we sort of shake ourselves a little bit and say, "Wow, we're loving this great weather," but mm, what does this mm-hmm. all mean?
1: Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's really a pleasure to talk to you because because I can sit across from you and just see the just see the passion. And the optimism, and uh, it, I think it makes me feel better about the future rather than looking outside and saying, "Well, the climate's going to hell, and, and and the air's going to hell, and what can I do about it?" Right.
3: And you know, one of the corollaries of what we do is that if the public, the public has the right to choose our future, but the corollary to that is that the public, utons, will make good choices if they're presented with good information. <laughs> that we can trust. Our neighbors and our friends and those who live across the valley from us and those who live in the rural areas of Utah, we can trust them to work together to make the right things happen if we provide them with an understanding of what those choices will actually mean. And that's all we do is we bring those choices to the public and just listen. And and
1: try to do it without emotion. I mean, without... Without uh, uh, rancor or emotion. right?
3: Or, uh, Civ- civility is the foundation of everything we do. You know, Everybody's ideas matter and are to be respected.
1: That's where I fall down sometimes, civility. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I don't think so. <laughs> uh,
1: Robert Groh, uh, now, okay, so envisionutah.org.
3: Right. Uh, it's uh, Reserve your spot. Reserve your spot for the survey. Uh, just click on the reserve your spot. It'll ask for your email address. We'll make sure... You're the first to know. By the way, we have a huge campaign that's going to go out to do this in the public schools, Mm -hmm. high school students and their parents and families through the universities. We'd like to start a competition between the universities. Uh, We'll be reaching out through digital media. We'll be reaching out through earned media. Thank you for having me on today. My pleasure. Um, And so we want every Utah to know this is going on and be able to make their choice to join in, share their voice.
1: When I go back upstairs, I'll go to my desk computer and I'll reserve my spot. Uh, EnvisionUtah.org. There's and there's all kinds of information there about other things, but reserve your spot. The name of the, uh, uh,
3: the it's your
1: Utah, your future. Your Utah, your future. It's right. and it's right there on the the front right, row. right
3: on the, the landing page. When you hit the landing page, you scroll down just a little bit and you see the place to click to reserve your spot
1: do it. All right. Thanks for being with us.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me so much.
1: Yeah. And uh, thanks to 50 West, uh, the uh, 50 West uh, uh, cafe for uh, giving us some delicious French fries here. Uh, Always a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm Bill Allred. That's it for another edition of the Let's Go Eat show. Remember, remember, if you're pouring
3: drinks, always make mine a double.